I wonder if I'm at the right. Good day, good folks. You're listening to Talk That Keeps You Woke. And with your awakening, we hope that you will take in the information and knowledge we provide. So make sure you like and subscribe while you hop on this ride as we inform, persuade, entertain, and engage in discussion. Welcome to Potlicker Podcast, which is knowledge to feed your soul. I make up one half of Potlicker. I go by Dr. A, the inquisitive one, a great debater, Mr. Slow Talker, a rhetorician, and an all-around nice guy, and a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. The other half of Potlicker is my homie, my dear friend for more than 30 years, Kim Parker Jackson Esquire, the legal one, Mrs. Creativity, never obnoxious, the gifted one, a terrific lady, and a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Okay, we are back on the podcast. Uh, What's up, partner? How was your week? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone. I am well. My week was good. And how about yours, Dr. A? How was your week? It was a little hectic, a lot going on, bad weather during the week. Uh, But, you know, as always, I survived. Um, I survived, and we are back here to kick off our show. Yes. And we start our show with the wow, words of wisdom. This comes from Joe Madison. In America, we are culturally conditioned to believe that white is superior and black is inferior. And the manifestation of that cultural conditioning is that black people are undervalued, underestimated, and marginalized. And Joe Madison used to say, "What well, sometimes what you going to do about it? So I'm going to let my partner take this one first. Well, I mean, what can you say? This is basically, it speaks for itself. It is straightforward and clear. There's nothing else that needs to be said about it. Joe Madison was one of a kind, and unfortunately, he did pass away um, on Thursday, February 1st, I believe, or at least that's when it was announced that he had passed away from prostate cancer. And I just think that he embodied what it means to live your life for others and to make a difference in our society. And I think it is apropos to honor him and to to talk about things that he wanted us to understand. And this quote is the perfect example of what he was trying to get us to understand in our society so that we could change their cultural conditioning so that each person is judged individually by their character and not just based on stereotypes of what we think about people just based on their color, based on their race. And so we have to uh, basically um, reverse that cultural conditioning. 
And that is what he wanted us to do. So I think that we should honor him. This is the perfect time to do that. It's Black History Month. And I think that's so I think nothing left to be said. What do you think? Okay, well, just looking at the quote, because I didn't know him as well. Um, I believe that that's been happening my entire life. And so I just think the best thing you can do is do the best that you can and don't worry about this. Um, that's what I would do about it. You know, make yourself valuable, you know, like we have. Um, I don't mind if people underestimate me. That's fine. I like walking in that path um, because I know I show and prove better. And um, we're going to continue to be marginalized as long as the dominant culture um, sees us that way. But the best that you, the only thing you can do to combat that is um, be your best and do your best. And, you know, tell others in your community about this quote and make them or have them use it as a source of motivation. That's what I say. Hmm. And let us move on. Well, well, this is one of my topics that I do talk about. Black college athletes are making millions for their colleges and universities. Um, and they're not getting paid for it. Now, a lot of people are going to jump at me real quick and say, but they are getting paid now because there's the NIL. NIL is not the colleges. The colleges and the university are still... Uh, profiting off the black bodies that play on the football field and the basketball court mainly. And those monies are used, like I said, to help the welfare sports out. I'm, I, I didn't coin that phrase, um, but the welfare sports are golf, swimming, diving, equestrian, you know, things of that nature. Football brings in a lot of money and it it's, uh, stays a part of the athletic director's budget. Um, and so does the revenue they generate from basketball. So the universities are not paying the kids. They can strike deals outside of the universities, you know, with their name, image, and likeness. That's what NIL stands for. So if you go to Ford or Chevrolet, that's not from your, far from your university and they have local commercials and they use your name, image, and likeness. Uh, come on down to Fred Haas uh, Ford or Chevrolet. Fred Haas is a big name in uh, greater Houston. You know, Fred Haas can pay you money. That money can go in your pocket, but that's not coming from Texas A&M or the University of Houston is coming from that dealership. So, yeah, the question is appropriate. And, and to add to what you just said, Dr. A, before you move on, not every college player is Shador Sanders, who is going to be able to use his name, image, and likeness 
to amass a $4.7 million fortune. Everybody just does not have that appeal and everybody's not going to be a superstar on, every, you know what I mean? So it's yeah, gonna, but yeah, that's I'm, not the I'm, answer, basically. I'm, well, I'm glad you brought that up because if the school is paying athletes, they're going to pay all the athletes. Exactly. That play golf. But I'm not saying they should pay them money like Shador Sanders is getting. Nowhere near it. You know, I don't think student athletes should be getting millions of dollars. The fact that you can use your name, image, and likeness, I think that's how you get your millions of dollars, and I'm okay with that. The school should kind of pay you like a steady stipend of maybe ten thousand uh, dollars between ten and twenty thousand dollars a semester or a school year. Um, that that way you're making money and you don't have to worry about something. But if you're talking about like a hundred to thousands of dollars, no, I don't. Well, if you come, okay. So the the author of the article. What's his name? Kevin Blackstone. He's the interviewee of the. That was an interview. Okay. He. Okay. So, he was the one who raised this issue of basically saying that college athletes are pretty much employees and basically are providing free labor. He stopped short of saying that this is basically slavery. Um. I said he stopped short of it because he's saying that these college athletes are basically providing these schools who make millions of dollars on uh, media contracts that they are basically um, exploiting these athletes because these athletes are are helping these schools make millions of dollars, but they are not receiving anything in return in terms of compensation. Well, that's not true. Well, that's. Okay, That's so what, what he said. I would dispute him. Right, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying what his argument is. I, I know. But I want to say this, right? I believe they're underpaid. They do get the majority of them. If they're playing, they do get a four-year scholarship to an institution. And many, uh, many students get merit scholarships. So, right. And, and, no, and those, those students so they're are in no better those, position than I didn't the, say they were what, in better position, but, I know, but they're giving you're up not their letting body. me finish. You're right. not letting me finish. Right. I didn't say they were in a better position. What I am saying is they are getting compensated by that four year scholarship and other little pocket money that they get. But I do agree. I would say because I'm trying to use words like appropriate. I would say they're grossly underpaid based on the uh, revenue that they generate. That's what I would say. But I don't think they deserve tens of millions of dollars. Another way they are paid, right, <clears throat> it's kind of like bartering. They get free marketing from the university and like ESPN. So if you're playing on television, your brand is being marketed over and over and over again. Now, if you're playing for like a school like University of Texas, El Paso, Right. I'm give you or, or Georgetown University. If you're playing football for Georgetown University, which is not a big program, um, you're not getting marketed like that. You're not getting advertised. When you say your brand is being marketed, what brand are you talking your brand, about? You as a name. If, the if, individual athlete. Caleb Williams from USC. 
he plays on television every week because of those television contracts. So he gets seen and he gets scouted without folks really having to come to his games because he's seen on national television every week. I don't believe that equals the amount of money that the university should pay them. I'm just arguing with Blackstone. It's not nothing they get. It is. That's just like you're. That's just like okay. You're a professor at a at a university. That's just like the university saying, "Well, Doctor A, we're going to decrease your salary by twenty thousand dollars because we believe that when we print your name on the website and we print your name in our it's not brochure that is giving you notor that is giving you notoriety and but people see if, your name. And so if they were giving me national, you don't need If they would, hold, let me say this. Let me take your scenario because it's not the same. If it was giving me national notoriety, where all the other universities in the country recognized it, then I would agree with you. What I'm saying is the colleges, by putting them on television, is giving a chance for all 32 teams in the NFL to see this individual play and his stock begins to rise. And they even report that on ESPN. So what I'm saying is the NFL being able to see them <clears throat> play is more of a chance for them to make it to the NFL. And these are really, it works for the other non-known names, if I said that right. The non-names that play offensive, a defensive line, a linebacker who is not a household name, but the scouts know everybody on the football team and they're looking for particular players and they're looking at stats and they're watching their games. So that is helpful. But I will go back and say that's still, they're still getting underpaid. I think they still need some money in their pocket. Something like a little bit more than $500 a week, maybe. Um, I just disagree that marketing is equivalent to compensation. So I just disagree with that. It, well, it is. It, it is. Marketing when, is compensation. Let me tell you. Let me tell when you. you quick, go, when you go to work, you don't want to be paid marketing. Let, you want to be paid let, money for your listen, labor. Let me tell you. Let, let me tell you something. I'll yes, tell you. Something. Uh, n n no, <laughs> wrong. I'm going to tell you something. Cash is what you are looking for. But here's the story, and it was on Math Hopper. Uh, oh, what's the DJ's name? Um, it'll come to me. SNS is a DJ. SNS, Puffy asked SNS to do a party. Him and Mike Tyson were throwing a party. He asked him to do it. He said $3,000. Diddy said, nah, man, nah. And then... He said to Diddy, he said, you know, you and Mike Tyson together are worth north of $50 million, man. You got to pay me. They didn't pay him. They went to DJ Clue before DJ Clue was real big. And they said, Clue, you do the party. He said, yeah, I did. He did it for nothing. You know what he got? Every artist from Bad Boy, he got their records before they were released and he was allowed to put them on his mixtape and he grew substantially from that and everybody was checking for his mixtapes and buying them. SNS made the wrong, he was looking for money on the front end, just $3,000, not money on the back end. 
So marketing does help you. It does. I'm not saying, and I've said this twice already, I am not saying that that is fair compensation, but I'm saying that you cannot say that is not compensation. You can't say the scholarship they get is not compensation. You know, it is. I just don't think it's fair. I don't think it's enough. I think some money should be put in these uh, players' hands, but I don't think it should be astronomical. Okay. I I don't think that was a great analogy, but okay. All right, we'll pick it apart. Well, I think the 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 analogy that you use is basically negotiation. It's a negotiation. It's different if you are, yeah, they negotiated for compensation on the back end as opposed to being paid up front or whatever. Yes. But no, when you're trying, it's, it's, it's totally different because perhaps the person that you said ended up benefiting from the deal without getting paid up front. Perhaps that was the, that was their plan. Like they, for they, they passed up on the compensation beforehand because they were trying to get their foot in the door or they're trying to make a name for themselves in a new industry. That's just a totally different I wasn't situation. talking about the money received up front. I was trying to explain what marketing does, right? So Puffy's right, like- But you were saying marketing as payment in place of cash, right? And you were- No, I'm not saying, No, no, no. I said that- one person said they wanted money and they didn't get the money, right. so they didn't but, do the job. Okay, you're Other right, but I, I wasn't right. talking about marketing in the uh, in replacement of cash, but that's how it is sounding coming out of my mouth. What I'm saying is what marketing can do. You can't say marketing isn't nothing. Puffy marketed DJ Clue after that, and that brought eyes and ears. I mean, that brought ears to his music, and then he blew up from there. What I'm saying is... There's no negotiation with these players. The only negotiation, they, they there's little negotiations like, you know, uh, my mom or you, you you might can get your sister something, uh, you know, like if she's going to the school too or whatever. But there's really not a lot of negotiations going on. They offer you this scholarship, right? Now they're doing different things with NIL. But prior to NIL, they offered you this scholarship and said, here, right? What they did later, what they started to do, if you leave to go to the pros, you can come back and still get your education, those two years that they owe you for free, right? Well, what, uh, That's not, I'm telling you, it's not I money. I understand but, what you're saying, but okay. what, okay. So what uh, of all the, of can you, do you know of any um, media contracts that, uh, for example, uh, uh, that the, NCAA or the that SEC, yes, yeah, they yeah. huge contracts. Like, like, how much would one be that you know of? Close to that billions. you've heard of, huh? Close to billions, not close to billions of dollars. Yeah. Okay. Two point two billion. So if, like if 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 there's receiving billions of for dollars, like ten for like a ten year contract, something like that. Right. So you're receiving billions of dollars. Yeah. And you want to compensate me with a college scholarship and some exposure on TV? It's I think what I think what the interviewee is saying is that these athletes are providing free labor 
for you to generate this kind of an this kind of revenue and they're not being giving they're not being given any portion of that revenue and that is what he is arguing against and saying that that is not fair that these players are put in a position where they're providing free labor and not getting a cut of that money and i don't think that's unreasonable that's all I'm what 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 am i arguing you're arguing that they they should they what they're getting now is compensation but they should be given more and i'm just saying I disagree that that's compensation, especially I disagree that exposure and a college scholarship is compensation compared to uh, to these organizations that are getting billions of dollars. Like, it's just not all you doing is like all you doing is that's what I, all did you I doing get your is, argument right. No, you're turning my statements into something else. You Kevin said Black they're being compensated, but they're finish, not getting enough. Because you're not That's getting you it. You're not getting, no, I'm not. I said that Kevin Blackstone has said that it's free labor. I said it's not free labor, Kevin, because they are getting something for it, right? Even if it's just a scholarship, that is something for it. It's not free. They're not paying their own way to schools okay, like so I had what, to. What labor? So wait, wait, okay. Let me finish. Let me finish this. I agree that they need to be compensated. I'm just arguing with the language he used that is free labor. He can say that I feel is a better term to say they're underpaid, right? Don't say they're not paid at all because they and are. I just disagree with you that a but scholarship. But they're getting paid. I disagree with you that scholarship and exposure on TV is payment. I, that's all I'm disagreeing with. I'm just saying I don't I don't see that as payment. When you're How, getting billions of dollars, what, what, because okay, so it? for a student that is receiving a merit scholarship, right? That's what. What, what labor are, are they providing in exchange for academic excellence? That's not labor. Yes. But how okay? How does their academic excellence bring revenue into the university? Oh, it does. Because <laughs> yes, it it it. Well, let me say this. Are you serious right now? Dr. A, seriously, are you serious? Explain to me how academic their academic excellence is bringing they the type the of revenue that athletes are bringing in. Listen, it's not individual; it's group wise. They put the academics performances up. This is how sometimes these university gets grants and they get a lot of mm -hmm. compensation and they get money. So when you're saying merit the scholarships, it's not just a scholarship where you're getting money and it's just paying your tuition. It's more money than that, that goes into your pocket that you have money to spend and do things with, right? Okay, so. so and, and in return, you have to stay at a certain grade level, right? So that is academic and intellectual labor. Right, football, so the football, football, so the athletes have to do the same thing that the student, the other students, the non-athlete uh, students do, uh, the non-student athletes, they do the same thing plus give up the body playing sports. And I'm talking about the revenue generating sports, the football, the basketball. So they're giving it. So basically they're in the same position 
as a non-student athlete and they're risking but i don't think that the, but see this is where i because so you're not listening to I, me because i'm not saying that the non i'm not listen to I me i'm not saying that the the student deserves money from the university additional monies and funds i'm saying the athletes do i'm saying they should get paid that's what I'm telling you. I'm saying the athletes should get paid. I agree with what Kevin says about payment. No, but so I don't see where you're going getting... with that because all I'm saying is like, well, they're not working exactly for free because they're getting this and compensation. That's, that's the only thing we agree. That's right. That's, so I, I, that's you... the, I'm just saying I disagree with that point. That's okay. all. Disagree I, with I, that all. I said, all I said was a scholarship and TV exposure to me is not compensation. That's all I'm saying. And you disagree. And that's where we just disagree. You, you, you know, every football player on the team doesn't get a full scholarship or some of them don't get scholarships at all. You know that, right? I'm, do you know that, right? Do you know that? I'm asking you a question. You, we debating. I'm asking you a question. Do you know that every football player no, on know. that team doesn't get full scholarships? No, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, there, there are some that don't get any scholarship or any money they're walk-ons and they play they make the team they don't maybe in a year or two they might get a full scholarship but they don't so their struggle in their task is greater than that labor that that football player is doing that's getting a scholarship i i agree okay, with so you you're helping me make my argument that's why they that's not right so then what what do you do in that case they should well, get a, portion a lot of, of them well a, a lot in. of right a lot of them that don't get scholarships they're on the team they don't travel to away games they do participate in practice so that's and, even worse right no because practice worse. ain't like practice Practice is not like games. Those guys that's playing the games, you right. They definitely putting their bodies online In practice. You ain't always putting your body on the line. They go hard in them games on Saturday. Those teams are not their Those are that opposing team is not their teammates. So they go hard, but I agree overall with, colleges paying athletes uh student athletes and i would say all of the student athletes even the equestrian in the the diving because they do put in time but a lot of people feel like the other sports shouldn't get paid because they don't generate revenue what you say about those no i i think that if i can definitely say at least the rev the players in the revenue generating sports should get a portion of the revenue okay so what about the labor that the other student athletes put in you put in labor as a diver and a swimmer you put in labor as a tracks runner no but i think that the i think the problem comes in when you are generating revenue and you don't get to share in it i think an argument can be made that you're not generating revenue so therefore you shouldn't be compensated so I said that's a, an argument can be made. I think we should focus on at least. Okay, so the schools the that people play who are generating the revenue. So Georgetown football players shouldn't get money because they don't generate a lot of revenue. They generate revenue. What do you? But where, they, right, they should get a portion of the revenue that they generate. So they. Yeah. What, what 
what what if there's what is there's no profit in the, in the revenue that they generate? Like okay, but always, then there's nothing to compensate them with. But they still doing the labor that the other colleges are doing. They still go to practice. They still on the football fields getting hit and so on and so forth. So that's the labor because you don't count the scholarship in the. They still can get name and likeness, but like you said, that's not everybody on the team. Um, and you you don't think that the, the little TV that they get is is in marketing is payment either. So what I'm saying is like, I agree that athletes should get paid for their labor, right? More so than what the academic student gets. I believe the academic student gets the money that they get based on their intellectual prowess and that's it. I think that the student athletes deserve coin because you're right. They are putting in hours of labor during the week that the academic student doesn't have to do. That's what I'm saying. But I'm just saying I think Blackstone is defining it wrong because he's painting a picture like these kids aren't getting a dime. And that's just not the case. That's They're not. not getting a dime of the revenue that the school is bringing in. Yeah, they are. They're not sharing in the media yeah, contract. Yeah, that's where the scholarships come from. Scholarships come, they get an athletic scholarship, which comes from the, the athletic department, which is generated by the revenue that they make on the field. It, it most, it, it does. That's how they so, get it. So when you get a merit scholarship, where's that money coming from? Oh, the merit scholarship is coming from elsewhere. These schools have endowments that are millions and millions of dollars. They don't, they, they use got money. What, Okay, okay. I'm talking about the schools that don't have those endowments. Like Texas Southern, Howard University, Morgan State University, they don't generate. Harvard University is not even a big football program. They have the most endowments in the country, over $50 billion. And from what I learned from Texas A&M, the percentage that they make or the interest they make from that $50 billion every year goes into the school budget. So to make the math easy, let's say... $50.7 billion, yep. That's in 2023. Like? It was 50.7. Harvard endowment was $50.7 billion in 2023. And you know that 0. 0.7 is $700 million. And they don't have... Uh, Scholarships. That they don't have uh, the the big TV contracts for the the no. athletes, right? No. They got so huge. They got these huge, schools have money, yeah, yeah. But not all all, all all of them, no. But a lot do. There's a lot of schools that lose money every year, like because they don't have the players, the people to come. It's not a big football school. And so yeah, I think that generally, I think we agree that the players should be compensated, especially when these schools have these big contracts. However, I think we just disagree on whether a, you know, scholarship is compensation. That's it. Yeah. That's our only point of disagreement. And let us move on.
Okay, this this story is very interesting. You know, I say that a lot, but because we try to figure out interesting stories. Right. <laughs> a lady attacks a man and son in a Brooklyn park. And this is definitely a racialized story. Um, this woman, and there's like 40 seconds of video of it that she throws her cell phone, if you can see, at the man and his son. The man and the son were just sitting down in the park watching a basketball player play the game. His son was standing, I think his son is one and a half years old, 18 months, was standing beside. This lady comes over, tells him, you're a part of Hamas. He's not even from Palestine. Um, he's from elsewhere, but he does have olive skin. And I forgot the name of the scarf that he was wearing. So her assumption took it like this man was a part of Hamas. And she took it upon herself to move him out of the country, really, uh, out of the park, you know, with her hate. And, and I just think this is ridiculous. To me, it didn't get enough attention, or maybe I'm wrong, but what say you? I didn't hear anything else about the story on any other news outlet, so I don't think it's getting a lot of attention. But this is par for the course. It just seems like every time we have like a major event, and in this case, it would be the Israel-Hamas conflict. Um, and it just seems that this is another sort of example of Karen gone wild, like another Karen story where, um, and I don't know if it's white women or just white people, um, where we have these brazen acts that are racially charged, where people feel that they can treat people in this manner just because they feel strongly about a particular political issue or a particular event, in this case, the Israel-Hamas conflict. And I don't know if this woman is Jewish or not, but I would imagine that she, ha she has taken a side in this conflict, and I guess she is pro-Israel, um, and that's fine. I mean, you can have your political beliefs, but I don't know what gives people the, the gall, the audacity, the caucasity to think that they can just treat people this way. And the thing is, is that she doesn't even, like you said, she doesn't know this man. She doesn't know his ethnicity. She doesn't know his race. She doesn't know his nationality. But people think that they can just based on the image. way someone looks. Image, yeah. Yeah. That the, they scarf, can, the scarf was called a cafea. Okay. Uh -huh. that's and that's obviously that. ethnic, something that's yeah, ethnic. Yeah. And he's from um, Punjabi. He, and, but, and he was born in London. 
So his parents' okay. her heritage is from Punjab. He is born in London. And she took it upon herself to react with hate. Not have a discussion, not have a discussion with him and introduce him. Just assume like he was a part of killing the babies. Like he's not against it. You know, like he's not against the uh the death of uh he of that what happened on October 7th. Like he he like he would think that was okay. Nobody, well, I'm not gonna say nobody, but a lot of people don't think that was okay at all. But but doc, even if he he is okay with it, what gives you the right to attack him physically? That's not your place. And yeah. you don't own the park in Brooklyn. Like you, that's right. not your not who, what is park, wrong with yeah. these people to feel like they, you know, they can determine who is worthy of occupying a public space? Well, kind of, we can go back to what uh, Joe Madison said. Uh, white is superior to black. White is superior and black is inferior. And the manifestation of that cultural condition is that black people are undervalued, underestimated, and marginalized. So he was undervalued by this lady, underestimated, and he was marginalized by this lady. She took it that she had the right well, to do this. From the picture, he doesn't quite look black, but you mean but just non-white. he's non a person of color. Non-white, non right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's not black, but they still think color is inferior. Yeah. You know, it's not just African-Americans. They'll say Asians. They'll say um, um, uh, Latinos. A lot of people, they will say that, too because of their olive color complexion or their dark complexion or their non-white skin. Um, and I think she took that and ran with it. And I was also appalled by the fact that he was with his son who is under two years old, not even two 18, years old. 18 months. Right. I mean, what kind of human being are you that you would behave this way in front of a baby? As if a, a, an innocent child and the fact that she is the cause of this, basically this baby being traumatized like this, because this is, this is something that this baby may remember for the rest of his or her life. You know what I mean? Yeah, she Just threw being the phone this, and then she threw a coffee cup. Right. I mean, it's just so sad that a, that a baby has to be subjected to this kind of hate and vitriol for no reason. So, yeah, these people like this have got to have have got to stop. She should she should be arrested for assault. Basically, she assaulted them. You can't tell me what to do. You and your son go away. Why? Yeah, don't. You cannot take What? You cannot take anything. Get away. <laughs> Get away. Uh, why am I getting away? Get away. I'm playing with my son here. Get away. You can't to... She's attacking me because I'm wearing a scar. Don't come to son. I'm not going to do that. Don't, don't come near me, though. Don't take pictures of me. Don't take pictures of me. Get away. I've got a baby. Huh? Is anyone else going to say anything? I'm wearing a scarf and I'm getting attacked because apparently I'm a terrorist.
So I don't know. Were you able to hear that? Well, what I heard, what I what I did hear was he, he was saying, "Is anybody going to say anything?" So apparently there were people that were witnessing this happening, and he was like, "And a gentleman said, what do you want me to do? Can I help you?'" Like in that situation, it's like, and I'm a man, right? I would just stand there with him, you know, because once you put your hand on a woman, it's something else. And if you're a person of color, it 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 can be worse than that, you know. Okay, accusation. but what if you, what if you you what if you stood in front of him to try to shield him from her attack, and then she hit you? Now you're a victim. Yeah, that's all I can be in that case. But do I you, can't do anything to her. How? You, how? How as a as a man in today's world, yeah, if she's throwing stuff at me that can really, really hurt me, yeah, I'll defend myself. If you throwing rocks at me, I'll try to charge your ass and knock you down, <laughs> right, and hold you down and hold you there for the cops because you're throwing stones at me. And then when they come, you're going to be arrested. Exactly, I, but I'm hoping <laughs> that. Problem. But I'm hoping that this person of color and the other onlookers can stand up for me. Yeah, you know, um, and this what you do, it's, it's bad. Is it's bad. It's it's like it's it's like I just saw the movie Origin, and we're talking about a caste system, and that's really what's going on. It's a level of hierarchy, and women, especially white women, probably rank the highest and, ha and have the most order, has the most protection out of any. Right. Uh, so body they're in the United yeah, States. They, yeah, they're emboldened to do these types of acts for some reason. It's got to stop. Yeah. It, it definitely has to. And let us move on. Okay. <laughs> we mm -hmm. had something interesting happen the past few days from Shannon Sharp, I believe. Uh, he was had a disagreement with uh, Ocho, Ocho Cinco, which is Chad Johnson, about how uh, Beyonce doesn't move the needle quite like Taylor Swift. Let me see if I can play some of this. The fight. It broke the fight. How much did her concert? Well, how much did the concert pull up? Because they got they got a total in there. <coughs> a fact set. Man, let me call. Let me call Jay Z real. Quick. Uh, he can't help you. Let me call Jay. Yeah, I you know this is kind of rude. I don't. Let me call Jay, man, because I, I know I know what I'm talking about. Not when it comes to that, like, you I, don't. I, 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 no, you don't. Not when it comes I, to that, Ocho. Topic, though. Not when it comes to that. That girl, that young lady's on a different. But that day, lady's on a different. Uh, she she moves the needle, and I'm not saying Beyonce doesn't. Okay. If 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 she's a if Taylor Swift is Patrick Mahomes, so whoever else you want to make Beyonce, Taylor Swift right now is Patrick Mahomes. So whoever Beyonce is. She is, but she Mahomes. Mm. So Sharp was making a, and if, a, she, a statement. Um, 
saying that. So depending on the oh, circumstance, hold on. Sometimes they just won't stop. <laughs> was a, I'm sorry, I couldn't stop with my phone. That <clears throat> he's saying that Taylor Swift moves the needle more than Beyonce, and uh, Ocho Senka was trying to um, prove that. Um, but I mean, it all started though because the argument is that a lot of people are arguing that the fix is in, and that is why <laughs> that's why the Chiefs won the NFC champ NFC AFC championship over the Ravens, and they Do you, you know believe they, got, that? they got the call. They're saying they won because the NFL wants to capitalize off of the relationship between Taylor Smith, Tw Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey that she's dating the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Okay. Do so you believe they were that? saying they were saying okay, number 1, there's how many me. how many games in the NFL season? Se well, 17, 17 in the regular season, yeah. So they said Taylor Swift came to 12 games and they showed her on the screen for a a total they would like cut to her they told her they showed her for a total of less than one minute and they quantified that by saying they generated 300 approximately 300 million dollars based on those um seconds that they showed her on tv because she is attracting young girls who are swifties or taylor swift Fans, they're attracting those young girls to it the ain't NFL just young girls. This that woman normally, that normally would not be interested in watching the NFL. So that's the argument. And so Shannon Sharp was saying this was on Nightcap with Unk and Ocho, which is their podcast. And so Shannon Sharp was saying Taylor Swift moves the needle more than Beyonce would. And then so Chad, Chad Ochocinco Johnson was saying, not true. Beyonce moves the needle just as much, if not more. And so that was the argument. So they came out with the numbers because the numbers don't lie, right? So... Based on their both of their latest tours, Beyonce's Renaissance tour generated 590 something million dollars, almost 600 million dollars. Taylor Swift's tour generated a billion plus dollars. So, right there, Taylor Swift, just based on performance or their tour, has been more profitable. So what do you think? Do you agree? I think that the argument has strayed away from what Shannon Sharp said. Shannon Sharp simply said that Taylor Swift moves the needle more than Beyonce. I agree with that because numbers do not lie. Shannon Sharp didn't say Taylor Swift is more talented than Beyonce or that Beyonce is more talented than Taylor Swift. He just said she moves the needle. However you take that, you you take it. But do I agree? Yeah, because the numbers bear it out. And I would say, so what? They're both household names. I think 
I mean, if you think about it, it's really kind of hard to make, to, to really draw any conclusions without seeing what kind of revenue Beyonce would generate in this context. And when I, when I say in this context, I mean, if Beyonce were, let's, let's say Beyonce dated Patrick uh, Mahomes. Yeah. But he's married, so I didn't want to use that. But we just or, saying he is just somebody who is just as popular as a Travis Kelsey. Um, okay, so Patrick Mahomes. You, I mean, I think that they would cut to Beyonce if she came to 12 games, they would cut to her the same way. And I think you can't, I mean, you can't really make the argument unless you can quantify. Okay, we 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 compared their tours, but you have to compare the revenue that she would generate for the NFL, kind of how they did for Taylor Swift. Because $300 million is a lot of money, but that's not the billion that she made on her tour. You see what I'm saying? So how do you know that Beyonce wouldn't generate $300 million for the NFL just by dating a high-profile player? Patrick Mahomes, which is right now the face of the NFL. So anybody, if if Patrick Mahomes was not married, anybody that he dated would probably, well, not no. maybe not anybody, but any celebrity, I think. No, I think that we're taking away from Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, nobody's concert in the history of music concerts have grossed over a billion dollars, not one. So we can't take away from her talent at all. Also, this is America. The dominant culture are, are white folks in America. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the way the numbers bear out here. Like I said, if it was in Africa, it might be different. Most likely it would. We have to look at frame of references. I don't okay, think let me ask you this. Let it's me ask not you a this. knock against Beyonce at all. It's not okay. So are you saying that if Travis Kelsey was dating Britney Spears? No, Beyonce. No, I'm just gonna say Britney Spears because you're saying you you're saying we're not giving Taylor Swift enough con enough yeah. credit. But I think any high profile Britney Spears when she was hot. When she was hot, if yeah, if she was dating Travis Kelsey, she could probably just move. When she was hot, like you talking about when she had huge notoriety and she was hot. Even if it was now, because no. Britney Spears has a quite a following. No. You know, people follow her now. Not even close. What antics? Not not be. even close. Okay, how about Adele? Say if Adele was dating Travis Kelsey. No. She would. So you're telling me she wouldn't generate three hundred. I don't think she fits the image that America loves. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna argue with you because I mean, you can't argue with the numbers. You can't argue that Taylor Swift doesn't have the following, doesn't have the fan base because she does. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's a huge global super superstar. So I get that. I just don't think I, I'm. I feel like I just don't think we have enough information to really, really know for sure. I just don't. We're think in America, right? And Taylor fits the white supremacy standards of beauty. Period. 
And like I said, for young white girls that don't identify with black culture, right, or black women growing up, they far outnumber everybody else. And I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm just saying that's what it is. So how do you think that, so, okay, so how do you think they're quantifying the 300 million? Is that like the additional eyeballs and view, just, viewers yeah. that they're getting to the yeah. game? They, they might have something with unique viewers. I don't know. I don't know how they do it, but if we're trusting them that they do it correctly, that's the numbers and that's fine. I, you're right. We don't know. Beyonce could come to the game and it could just be way more numbers. Who knows? Right. That's what but I'm saying. Like, we really don't it, know. It, it could be, you know. Uh, but what I'm saying is if you look at America... And I know Beyonce attracts more than African American and Latinx and LBGTQAI communities. Um, I know she attracts a lot of white audiences too. She has to because we don't equal that number. She five hundred and something million people, you know, close to six hundred million people. Yeah, she's a mega, mega, mega superstar, and so is Taylor Swift. Because I, I think. I was going to say, because I think what we're talking about is attracting new eyeballs to the NFL. And you could argue, say if you argued that most of Beyonce's fan base is comprised of black people, which is not necessarily, necessarily true, but if you, if, you, not true. if you said that, you could argue that she she perhaps is bring she could perhaps bring young black girls attention to the NFL that may not have I agree but it's in just, NFL it's, it's not as many, enough to there's not enough it's not this the numbers aren't the same like it's not even close or just the young demographic in general black and white okay you know what I'm saying? Which normally would not be watching the NFL. She could be bringing those new eyeballs too, because you know Beyonce is adored by many people. You know, yeah. young, and old, it, and, it, and it proves by her 600 million people coming to see her tour, and those ain't exactly. 600 million. But they're not 600 million black people. They're 600 million people. People, right? So, those states, so, so she's already attracting white folks. So you 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 can't say like something else will make her attract 400 million more white people or 400 million more black no, people. The point I'm saying not. is that she could bring eyeballs to the NFL just like Taylor Swift does to the tune of 300 million. We don't know, but I'm just saying it's possible. So, you know, like I said, we don't... It, but Shannon we'll Sharp never... wasn't talking about that. She's just like on a regular basis. She's saying Taylor Swift moves the needle more than Beyonce. I would agree with that. And it has nothing to do with neither one of them being not talented. They both were extremely talented. It just has a lot to do with the demographics of America. That's that's my thought. And I'll say the same thing about Eminem. I'm not saying that Eminem isn't talented, but I can't say if Eminem says, well, I don't think Eminem doesn't believe that he benefits from being white. Like you could say, you could, even if you say Eminem is the best MC ever, I would say is Eminem 10, 15, 20 album, 20 uh, million albums better than other MCs? No, I'm not going to say that. 
is tell- I, I see your point. I mean, I, yeah. I do see your point, especially in terms of the of, of the NFL, because when Beyonce performed during the halftime show, um, there was backlash and a little blowback from her performance. But that's because, because of she, the song she said. She, right. When she performed Freedom and people complained that she was militant when she had the 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 out the outfits when they wore the costumes the black panthers yeah with the the black panther tam and the whole all her her audience did was grow from there you know if if public enemy was on stage and they were doing fight the power uh don't believe the hype (laughs) you know if they were doing that it's still it's different you know uh like yeah but it doesn't have the I guess you could argue that it doesn't have the mass appeal that Taylor Swift has. No, I was just talking about the song. If Beyonce oh, okay. sung her normal songs that weren't the ones that aren't radical, I don't mm-hmm. think it would have been a problem. There wouldn't have been any pushback. But that's okay. true. Let us move on. All righty, we have an activist, a black sports activist, activist, civil rights activist, call him that. Uh, the great Harry Edwards, who's dealing with cancer, but still standing up and still fighting and still contributing to the black athletes and, um, you know, civil rights causes. Um, interesting story. Uh, real brief history. Harry Edwards, while at Cornell working on his Ph.D., was a part of the human rights like protests that they had in uh, I think it was in Mexico City, Mexico. As doing Olympic, 1968, Olympic. 1968 Olympics, mm-hmm. uh, when um, Tommy Smith and John Carlos raised their uh, fist in the air with black leather gloves on, um, and uh, and they got removed from the Olympic Village. They got their medals stripped from them, and they were quote unquote blacklisted in a lot of different places. Um, so Harry he organized Ed- that protest? Yeah, Harry Edwards was the organizer of that um, to let them use their platform to show how America is treating marginalized groups, particularly African-Americans. Um, he's not taking any, from what I read, he is not taking any other drugs that they're offering him because of the potential side effects. So he's dealing with pain and he described it. He describes, because he, he has... Uh, bone marrow c- cancer that will begin to spread or hopefully it doesn't he hasn't lost any weight but he says it's like someone sticking a screwdriver in his bones and twisting mm-hmm. so he's in excruciating pain but still fighting the fight and his wife of 54 years is still standing by his side that is amazing that just shows incredible strength and he's currently yeah he's currently 81 years old 
And he basically said, if I if I go out, if I check out, I wanna I wanna work all the way up until I check out. <laughs> so right. he's like, I'd rather be coherent, you know, not dealing with the side effects of those um, pain medications. Um, yeah, he says he pops Tylenols like Tic Tacs, and he also said, you know, he's still staying six foot eight. You know, he's he's, been, he's a tall man, deep voice, very educated. Um, intelligent man and um, was offered football and basketball tryouts, but he shunned them to because he wanted to go into the field of academia. He's a longtime um, professor at Cal Berkeley, one of our top intellectual institutions in the country um, and at San Jose State. So, yeah. Wasn't that amazing when he talked about how his classes were so popular that like 1,400 people would be trying to register to take his class and it could only hold like half of that. Yeah, popular. it's popular given that what he's done in America, he's a historic figure. Um, and, you know, while not listening to somebody, that's like if Malcolm was teaching at Morgan State, like... <laughs> Right, everybody would want to be in his class. You would right. be fighting to take his class, you know, getting up, like camping out to be registered in his class, you know. So, and he's basically a sports psychologist. Basically, would you would you agree with that? Yeah, and he, so he, he was a, a consultant for a long time for the 49ers, the San Francisco 49ers. So he would probably be the person that would help them to prepare mentally to excel. Um, All these yeah. other other things in the world that they deal with. When you're a popular figure, we don't forget. Like a, a lot of people who aren't popular and have this sort of mass media on them, don't sometimes don't realize that these folks are not superhumans, and they go through problems and issues and concerns just mm -hmm. like any other person would. And sometimes it's hard because of the expectations that people have. It's just like, I would never want to be a star because you can't have a bad day. And I think right. everybody has the right to have bad days. Um, but this certain notoriety comes with um, certain situations that people are going to expect you to deal with, but you don't. Like, I, I, I dig uh, Lauren Hill when she when she pushes people's hands away from touching her hair, it's just like, you don't have the right to come up and touch my hair. Right. Yeah, you can ask me questions and things of that nature, but you don't, it's not, I don't, you don't own me because you bought my album, you know? And I'm not saying this was going on with Harry Edwards, but I'm just saying it's a lot to deal with, you know? So he's, he is uh, counseling also, athletes that go through that black and white athletes actually right and i think it's important that he he emphasized that he's more concerned about making a contribution while he's still alive so that's why he wants to work all the way up until he can't work anymore and not taking the pain medication and everything has helped him to keep his weight on and stuff and people say he still looks good you know especially um you know while he's fighting cancer so and taking the treatments and stuff um 
he's able to keep his weight on and 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 look healthy and continue to work even even though he's in pain. Yeah. You know. So, so, so yeah, that. we give it up to Harry Edwards, the great Harry Edwards, and our prayers go out for him so he can um, hopefully avoid as much pain as possible. Mm-hmm. And that is that. And let us move on. This was beat. Beef is when you need to cast the door asleep. Beef is when your moms ain't safe up in the streets. Beef is when I see you. Guaranteed to be an ICU. One more time, what's beef? Beef is when you make your enemies start your cheek. Beef is when you roll no less than 30 deep. Beef is when I see you. Guaranteed to be your ICU. Okay, there's beef between Nicki Minaj and Megan the Stallion. Have you been following this beef? A little bit. So what is the deal? Like, why are they beefing? Uh, I couldn't really. I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to get to what I just read the other day uh, mm-hmm. to, to explain it to the audience. All I know is they, um, Nicki Minaj was criticizing Mac the Stallion's uh, feet. <laughs> yeah, she so got she a, a disc record called Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, that's just crazy. I have to agree with, I heard um, Chad Ochocinco say this. I have to uh, agree with him that I'm okay with a, a rap beef. Like this is part of the culture. Like people have rap battles and that's fine as long as they keep it to the pen. You know what I mean? Just keep it controlled and keep it contained within your lyrics and don't let it go any further than that. We don't want another Biggie Tupac situation and people end up losing their lives over a, a rap beef. So it's not that serious. We, but we do like um, a little lighthearted, um, little rivalry going on. Um, but, I, you know, I think nothing was more impactful than um, ether. Remember Ether? Why do you say that was impactful? I mean, because people just made it, you know, it was a, I mean, they basically turned it into a word. I mean, a verb. You can get ethered. Okay. What was the rapper's name? Um, Nas and Jay-Z. I'm talking about the woman. Why can't I think of her name? Um, what? What are you talking about? I can't think of her name. Let me see.
Oh, okay. Never mind. It'll come to me when I'm not thinking about it. <clears throat> but anyway. I'm trying to pull it up. So give me a second. I don't, my, my phone is going crazy. Okay, so at midnight on Friday, Meg the Stallion released Hiss, which is a three-minute diss track that comes in hot and gets hotter. So this is the second single from her upcoming third studio album, and it showcases her in a defiant mode, unleashing bar after bar about her general peerlessness and how the news media uses her name for likes and views. Every time I get mentioned, she says in a fiery, no holds barred introduction, her detractors get 24 hours of attention. So she also said, don't be mad at Megan. Instead, they're mad at Megan's law, which is a 1996 law that requires the registration and public identification of convicted sex offenders. So people are interpreting that to be a reference and a dig at Nicki Minaj's husband Kenneth Petty, who was arrested in 2020 for failing to register as a sex offender in California. And he pleaded guilty to attempted rape as a teenager in Queens. So when you start talking about people's family, it gets pretty heated. And so um, Nicki Minaj released a song in response called Bigfoot like you said, in which she makes repeated direct references to Meg the Stallion, including her 2020 assault by Tory Lanez. Remember, we talked about that. Yeah, she and got Tory shot Lane, in the foot. Right, her, Tory Lanez shot her in the foot, and now he's serving a 10-year prison sentence. Yeah, I have the drama between Nicki Minaj and Megan the Stallion. Uh, hits his boiling point on January 29th when Minaj released a, a long single called Bigfoot in apparent response or diss track in retaliation to Megan Thee Stallion's new song. His, his touched on various aspects of Megan's tumultuous life as a public figure still. It was one line in particular that caught the attention of Minaj. These hoes don't be mad at Megan. These hoes mad at Megan's law. Megan raps fervently. Uh, and favoring over a uh, boosted beat. I don't really know what the problem is, but I guarantee y'all don't want me to start. Um, then they talk about Megan's Law, and then it's petty, and then Minaj has defended her husband uh, restlessly for years after talk show host Wendy Williams addressed petty crimes on her show in November of 2019. Minaj took her own 
Queen radio show to say every time you mention him, you feel the need to bring these things up. I don't know that in our society you have to be plagued by your past. Um, I didn't know that people can't turn over a new leaf. So that's where the beef is is extending from. I, I, I'm kind of like um, Dave Chappelle on this. Like, why are we always airing out dirty laundry of other people? Is it just for notoriety? Do you think that's cute or not? I don't understand it. Nobody wins in this situation to me. Yeah, especially when, you know, these are just two artists and they have their lyrics and lyrics can be interpreted different ways, you know. And so it's kind of weird to have a, you know, I don't know. I, I just don't see this as being an actual argument when you got two artists writing lyrics. That's, I mean, it's. There's an impact on younger kids when this thing happens, though. You know, they're foolish fighting. Just as simple as somebody being a Nicki Minaj fan and somebody being a Megan Thee Stallion fan fighting. I always said, even 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 Nas and Jay-Z, yeah, uh, rap is confrontational, you know, battles go on, but I think people will more likely want to hear a song with them together than a song against one another. Right. So excuse me, but that's not always the case. People like beef, people like gossip itself. So that's why they do it. So with that said, unless you got something else. Well, I think sometimes, like you said, the, the fans kind of start. Stir it these, up. Yeah, they, they do. Cause they interpret the lyrics one way and they call themselves defending their, the artists that they, love the most and so I know for Nicki Minaj her fans are called Barb's and I think um Meg Thee Stallion's fans are like hot girls or something like that I don't know I know she was always talking about hot girl summer or whatever I don't know but anyway so yeah fans sometimes stir up this conflict too so as long as it doesn't get physical and let us move on Okay, so we are going to play Am I Chipping Game? This is a game that was created by a black woman by the name of Reese Colbert. You can buy this game on her website, amitrippinggame.com. And we're going to play a couple of cards today. Three rounds. What was that? Three. Three. Okay. I feel like I have to travel for your wedding or birthday part. I feel like. If I have to, it's a word out. I feel like if I have to travel for your wedding or birthday party, then I don't owe you a gift. All the money I spent to get there is your gift. Am I tripping? <laughs> you tripping. You I depend. Tripping. To me, it depends what age you are, I guess. But 
I don't think she tripping. Like, it just depends on what travel you're talking about. Are you serious? Yeah, because if you live in... Wait, hold on, hold on. If you having a birthday party... I see that's that's the thing. It said birthday party wedding. I think those are two different things, right? So a wedding is something, yeah, because you usually don't give people stuff for their wedding anniversary, just a couple exchanges gifts. So a wedding is the first time. Birthdays come every year. So if, if I live in New York and you live in California, you having a birthday party and I pay, you know, $536 for a round trip ticket and I stay in a hotel two nights out there, which comes to another five. I spent a thousand dollars. If I'm the recipient, if I'm the birthday person, yeah, if that person didn't give me anything, I think they could at least give me a card, but if that person didn't give me anything, I'm not going to be mad at it because their presence is the gift. I disagree. I think if you go to somebody's wedding or you go to some, to a birthday party, I think it's customary and I think it's polite and I, I was going to say expected in some cases to give someone a gift. So I think unless they say in the invitation, please do not give any gifts or in lieu of gifts um i appreciate you you know paying for your transportation and and lodging or something so like it, that i guess it depends on your friends gift your friends your set of friends because sometimes people have birthday parties at a restaurant they're not paying for everybody's meal everybody is paying for their own meal and what happens is like your meal's on me or your drink's on me and I, let me buy you a drink and that's it. That's the gift that's given. Sometimes folks just don't have it. And if you flying out to a birthday, now a wedding to me is different. I think, I think you should always get a wedding gift or something to help the new family out, you know, but if you're flying out, yeah, you know, unless like, when we were thinking about marriage, I was like, how do I hold down 20 hotel rooms so folks only have to pay for their flight? You know. You were um, going to do that? Yeah. Yeah. People do it all the time. It, it, it's your bracket of friends. If you know some folks, like, you want them there, like, yo, I want them there to celebrate so they can see people they haven't seen or to get out the house and they don't have it. Just like, yo, man, get your plane ticket. I got the room. Okay. You know? Yeah, I think, yeah, if you don't, I think it's it's totally fine for the birthday person or the person that's getting married to put in the invitation, please don't provide any gifts. Your presence is, are, you know, gift enough or something like that in the invitation so that you take that burden off of your guests. But other than that, I think people expect to to also to come to your wedding and give you a gift or come to your birthday party and bring you a card who, or a gift. who 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 do you know I did. who do you know that's you who do you know if you invite to the, your birthday party chances are they might not have a gift for you who do i know yeah do you know people like that like your expectation of them giving you a gift is not high 
Yes. Okay. Well, there you there you have it. So if now now if they flying across the country and they saved up that money to come to your birthday party, you still expecting something from them? No, I probably wouldn't expect them to fly to the birthday party. Exactly. So they present is like, oh, especially if you ain't seen the person in years. Say you ain't seen the person in 18 years. Your presence is the gift. You don't care about the gift. You care about the person. That's why I say it depends what age. When you're younger, a lot of that stuff matters. Didn't matter to me back then. Don't matter to me now. I flew to somebody's birthday situation. To I flew to somebody's birthday situation in Jamaica, and I brought them a gift. Okay, Kim. You're thinking individually. I know. And I don't pull you out, but this time I am. You have been in your professional life for a long time and you have accumulated something in your life. So when you say that all lightly, like da 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 and I gave him like, yeah, I'm saying, yeah, you got it to give. I know, you, but doc, doc, if somebody if rich if people buy, did it, if, it, but if, if you can buy a plane it. ticket, if you can buy, buy a plane ticket, if you can't buy if you can't buy a birthday gift, then you can't buy a plane ticket. It's one or the other. I'd be like, yeah, I can send you a gift. Hold on. Listen, you, like I said, you, you, I love you. Right. And I love what you accomplished because your mind is all the way where your accomplishments are. Let me tell, let me tell you, hold on. Let me tell you something right now. That's going to break you down right now. You can say this, I can get you a gift, but if I do, I can't come to your, your party. Right. Cause I don't have that. You, you right. Say for instance, you, Hold on, though. A Go plane ahead. ticket could cost. Let's say the plane ticket is three hundred dollars. Round trip. Yeah. Okay. Because that's like an average. Let's say. Okay. It's so and how much is the hotel and the Uber? Three. Yeah. Right. Okay. So say the person would spend five hundred dollars to come and celebrate with you. Okay. Yeah. So you got five hundred dollars, but you don't have twenty five dollars to like buy a trinket. You don't have fifty dollars to say, like give me say, a gift card. Oh. You say, see what I'm saying? Hold hold like, on, if you're spending 500, you're not spending 50. Say, hold on. This, if you can't, then you probably should just not cut. You, you exactly. That's what, what, what I'm saying to you. That person that you're talking about might only have $650 in their account. Well, you probably shouldn't come. I'd be like, you know what? I don't even want you to spend that money on coming to my birthday party. Okay, then. All right. But they're not telling you that because they don't need to tell their business. You have to assume, you assume like they slicing you. You're not assume. See, my assumption is different. They ain't got it to give. Especially if I'm inviting my You can't come. You can't, you're probably not going to be able to come. If you can't buy a $50 gift, then you probably shouldn't spend $600 to come on the trip. You see what I'm saying? Right. But they are spending that $600 to come see you and celebrate your birthday. That's not good enough. Doc, all I'm saying to that you, person, I would be like, let me get your plane ticket. My pre- your presence is all I want, and if your presence is all I want, I got the five hundred dollars. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about giving me no gift. Okay, Period. that's different. That's right. different. But I'm just saying, I just uh, yeah, I don't think if you got money to travel to the wedding, I don't think you should stiff the person just because you feel like, well, I don't spend this money flying you, and. 
you don't, you, you know, no, I don't see you see what you're doing. Like you just don't understand what you do. You saying that they're stiffing you. All right, let's go to the parable with Jesus. Jesus, you got 550. Let's go to who is the lady, right? Who didn't have any money uh in the Bible to give, and she had two little things. Um I don't know. You don't remember this? Oh, come on. The two, uh, she had two little things that she gave that she thought was of value. And, and, and Christ said, she's given more than anyone, right? The fact of the matter is, you use the word, they flew out here and they stiffed me. You How don't did look I at say that? You just did. You said if you got followers <laughs> you come out, you don't stiff a person. You most certainly did. You look at, I'll bet you $20, right? When not, you go I, back. I don't even talk like that. I don't use no stiff. That's not how I talk. We you must have misunderstood okay. something. So you promised me, hold on. You promised me some gift card to some eatery if you didn't use the word stiff, okay? And I'll give it to you. Right, we can talk about the amounts once the show is over. Because I'm telling you, you just said stiffed. Um, I don't believe you stiffed anyway. a person if you had a. What I'm saying is, maybe I noticed because all of my friends, I have a range of friends. Some have that stack of cash. Some don't. Right. Some say wisely. Some don't. I'm not. I'm past the age where, and I never was like this in my life that I'm expecting a gift from somebody. I'm just not like that. That's not me. So I don't see that person stiffing me. Their okay. presence is enough. That's how I look at it. So, yeah, I'll say the person is tripping. That's a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> On to the next. Okay. For years, I've paid, oh, wow, all these about money. For years, I've paid for most of the meals, experiences, and travels for my best friend to accompany me when she called me up because she had an extra ticket to a show. Wait a minute. Oh, I missed the period. Let me start over. For years, I've paid for most of the meals, experiences, and travels for my best friend to accompany me. When she called me up because she had an extra ticket to a show, I assumed this time was her treat. Oh, boy. Wrong. She sent me a payment request to cover the ticket price. I gave her the money, but not before telling her I would match her energy going forward and nickel and dime her as she did me. Am I tripping? <laughs> you tripping. You tripping. I think the way she respond to her, yeah, she's tripping. Um, again, like I said, I love this game, but it's without context. No, you gotta use the facts. I know, but I'm it's different. Like That's I said, if if listen, Kim, if I'm a yeah. physician, if I'm a physician and I'm making $8,000 a day, and I know I just went to that eye doctor, and I know she was pulling in more than that a day, right? And, you know, 
that's over forty thousand dollars a week, and my friend is. I don't know. Give me some job making, you know, $40,000. I'm not going to be mad at that. I probably pay for her ticket too. I think that's wrong. I just think it's wrong because You, you think it's wrong for the lady to say I don't I'm think she's tripping. you. What Oh, I, did I say she tripping? Okay. Yeah. Here's she, the thing. Tripping. Who well, who's tripping then? Okay. So Okay, so this is the, the, I think that she is well within her right to do what she plans to do. So she's not but I don't. I don't think there's, but I think she's chipping by saying it. Like, oh, because, you say just do it. Yeah, just do. It. I mean, because That's petty. I, I just think people show you who they are, because here's the thing. She spent years paying this person's way, and wow. I don't care. Right. I don't care that they don't have a lot of money. If you don't have any, this is my thing, though. What's your thing? You froze. Oh, God. We having technical difficulties. Yeah, even if you're just paying for your own ticket. If you're not broke, why are you going to a concert? You need to just stay home and watch TV and get entertainment from TV. You, so you're going to... You, you judge invite other, somebody to yeah. a concert and not pay for the ticket after all this money I done spent on you. And that's the it's not it's not a it's not a point of going tip for tat, like I spent this much, so you should spend that much. Because obviously she's gone years paying for this person, probably because they don't have a lot of money, and that's fine. But it's like one time when you can show an act of kindness to your friend who's been so generous. Why would you not do that? Like, that's what I don't get. I'm understanding that. But if I'm treating her the whole time, in my mind, I said, yeah, my friend don't make, don't have the money. She doesn't. And so she got the ticket. Actually, I wonder how she paying for her ticket, like you would just say. Yeah. So the ticket, the ticket was, say the tickets were $300 and they one fifty dollars a piece. I probably would say, here, I'll send you the 150 because, you know, I know you need it, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to say that if that was my MO with her, I'm not going to get upset with that. I do believe that that person can show some gratitude toward their friend just to say thank you. And it doesn't have to be an economic compensation. But can I just tell you this, this issue kind of hits home for me personally, because I've had this situation. I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but I had I, I had a friend that I had known since college, and this person um was in a position where you know they was in a situation where I I invited them to come and stay in my home with me with their with a child because they wanted to relocate to this area, and I did not ask them for anything. I said, you can come and stay with me for however long you need to stay with me to get yourself back on your feet and in a position where you, you're you working and you can, you know, pay for your own place. I didn't put a time limit on it or anything. And this particular person actually loaned me $10 and hounded me for $10 to pay them back $10. When they were there, them and their child were living for free in my home. And I was just floored, like yeah. flabbergasted. Yeah. Like, 
And so it becomes not even about the money. It's just about principle at some point. You know what I mean? Okay. It's like that to me so is highly ridiculous home. to me. If she's <laughs> hounding you over ten dollars, it's not like she gave you it's a hundred dollars, ten dollars. People forget they have ten dollars in their pocket. They washed it in the washing machine. So what was that about? Good question. She could just be stingy, cheap, and a miser. Cause I'm I'm taking this person that relocated. Did they have a good job? No, that's why they they weren't able to pay anything to live down. They came down here without a job. Like I don't did, know. Did they, okay, did they find they a job? From, yeah, eventually, yes. Well, did they find a good job? Like were they educated? Did eventually, they, yes. Okay, and and then and then she gave you ten dollars. No, this was uh, before that. This was. This was, but I don't even remember at the time if they did. She were give good. you ten dollars when she didn't have it. Well, she had. Okay, this was the situation. We had gone out. We this is when we were both single and everything. So we had gone out to like a place and like a, a, a you know a, I don't know if it was a party or a club or something like that. And it was like we got there and didn't realize it was ten dollars at the door and I didn't have cash. So the person fronted me the cash. And I was like, I'll give it back to you. And I guess I was taking my time giving it back, but I was going to give it back. And I didn't give it back fast enough to the person. Because you and didn't I think $10 was enough to warrant right. somebody hounding you. Right. And obviously, okay, I'm going to give it back, but I, I, yeah, I the was, next time we go out for, for drinks, I'll buy your first drink. <laughs> but the, the, the point is, is that I was like this person was lit. I didn't know yeah, what were they thinking? That's anything. the point to me. Like, what do you think? You're thinking? living for free. I didn't ask you for anything. Oh, I she didn't even get a chance to offer me anything. I was like, just come. You don't worry about it. you don't have to pay me. You can stay as long. That's did what that, friends did do. That, did you give her the ten dollars back? Yes, because I was like did that in the friendship. No, y'all still cool today. <laughs> Eventually, a person like that, you can't. Eventually, those kinds of issues pile up, and then the, it's a straw that breaks the camel camel's back. No. So I was dealing with this kind of person for years until I was I woke up and was like, I can't. This, yeah, I can't. There came a point where I was like, I can't do it anymore. I can't. Mm -hmm. I mean, but people will show you who they are, and that was just one sign of many. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So anyway, all right. So that was two. Are we gonna do one more? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> my friend and I got into an argument because my eight-year-old daughter called her house filthy. She said my daughter is disrespectful and needs to apologize. I told her my daughter didn't lie, so she has nothing to apologize for. Am I tripping? Yes, yeah, you're tripping. tripping. You're tripping. Come on, we can't. We yeah, gotta, it's a matter okay. of like a child should know a place you're telling your child it's okay to speak to an adult in that way. And that is wrong. Even if her house is filthy, you don't stick up for your child over an adult. I see what you're saying. And that is that is true. I agree with you. But for me, it's it's even more than that. I think 
we have to teach our children that it's okay to speak the truth, but you can speak the truth in love and there's no need to, to be hurtful to people and to be. Well, we don't know if she didn't say it in love. She could have just said, Donna, your house is filthy. She's eight. I know, but there's a way to temper your language so that you don't hurt someone's feelings. At you eight? You, you don't think a child is capable of I mean, there's some being kind. I believe there's some children are, but there's some that are not. There's some people that see things like a kid at eight years old will see. Like I had a little white kid say to me that I'm dirty. He had chocolate ice cream all over his face. I was 12 years old, right? Mm. I was watching my younger brother play soccer, right? Mm. And this white boy pulled on my shorts next to me. He says, hey, you're dirty. And the, the irony was he had chocolate ice cream <laughs> all over his face because he had just ate a, a cone, right? I'm 12. And I said to the kid, I was, I don't know how I thought of it, but I thought of it <laughs> 12 years old. I said, where are your parents? He turned around and pointed. I mm. said, let's go to your parents. Oh, and wow. I walked with him to his parents. I said, tell your mom and dad what you just told me. He said, mom, dad, he's dirty. They turned beet red, right? They apologized. I said, no need to apologize. It was an observation. He equated my brown, uh, dark skin with dirt. Mm. He couldn't have been no older than five years old, five or six. Mm -hmm. He wasn't that far from them because they. some of my students say, why'd they let him walk off that far? I said, we might have been like 40 feet from them. So what I'm saying is he didn't know any better. I know, but that's what she's saying. She's saying that's, the what, the the that's, what, the per that's what the person is saying is that you need to teach your child to this, that, that this is the teachable moment to say, right. I believe okay, oh, wait a minute, daughter. I understand that you, 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 you may be correct that her house is, is, is not neat or it's not clean. However, there's a way to talk to people and you can't be disrespectful in your speech. You have to find a way. First of all, did anybody ask you anything? It's not always appropriate to say what you think about something. You can I mean, teach that. that. that I don't know. A teachable moment. And I wonder what that, what the parents would have would said to the child. Cause you said they turned beat red. I wonder what they, they probably said, explain to him why he shouldn't have said that to you and why he should never do that again. And it's okay to share your feelings with someone, but this is you know, how you can say that, I'm, or this is I'm, what you, you know what I'm saying? Maybe they did. I don't know what right. they did. I'm not mad at them either way or what have you. I think what you, it was great though, that you had the presence of mind to do that. Yeah. Right. I, I just thought but, that because getting on him didn't make any sense. Right. Cause he so said it's smiling. He said it's smiling. And I, my whole thing, it was just like, <laughs> people were going to be like, you crazy. I thought it was clever, right? I thought that. I thought that in his mind, as at a five or six years old, he made he saw a comparison, right? And he equated my skin color with dirt. 
I can't. And he was smiling when he said that. I can't say this kid was a little Nazi at five or six years old. I just don't believe that. I don't, you know. Some people are like, is it, no, racism is innate. It's a learned behavior. His observation that he made was, but I told, to me, I went to tell his parents, right? Afterwards, I felt this way. I went to tell his parents because I think his parents should know. But I think that's an example of the quote that we had today, the words of wisdom, that that's part of cultural conditioning. But I don't think he was culturally conditioned. I just don't think he was that. So I think his white white skin is clean. He didn't say his white skin was clean. I'm saying by implication. No, that's why I said the irony is he was dirty. No, I get that. Right. he because I was going to ask you, why did he say you were dirty? Like, were your clothes dirty? Did you have stains on your clothes? No, no, no. He said and you're my, talking about your skin color. Right. And it was dirt on the right. ground, brown, right next to him. And he said, you're dirty. That's what he said. So he he saw the colors and he matched them. That's what he did. Now, you people could say, well, he didn't know the color brown. <laughs> Maybe he should have said that. You're brown. That's more appropriate. But I'm trying to get back to the lady and his and her daughter. I think that you chastise the kid because everything observed doesn't need to be spoken. Right. Right. So uh, I believe like sometimes it's just like that's nice not to, you know, to tell somebody that their house is filthy, you know. Um, and that's a learned behavior because I don't know how, how old was her daughter was eight years eight, old. Right. Yeah, that's that's a young age. That's second grade. I mean, filthy is a different word. Not messy, junky. Uh, it looks bad or whatever. She said <laughs> filthy. Uh, no, but kids will yeah. tell you the truth. Yeah, they did. That was good. This, this one, this definitely was <laughs> a, a a definitely a good one. And let us move on. So today we want to continue our series on Drown Towns. These are Drowning Black Towns was another form of ethnic cleansing used to take away Black generational wealth and make the area wider. Drown Towns, as they were called, are towns and villages flooded by the creation of dams, destroyed by the advancing sea, or washed away in floods and never rebuilt. One such town is Little Egypt. North Carolina. Little Egypt, North Carolina is our little known black history fact for today. Little Egypt, North Carolina was a self-sufficient black area of families, businesses, and homes. Ancestors here made a home for themselves until the formation of Belus Lake. I'm not sure if this is pronounced Belus or Belus, but it's Spelled B as in boy, E L E W S, Belus Lake. 
This man-made lake was built in 1973. It has 88 miles of shoreline and covers 3,863 acres. It is a lake now that many camp, live on, and visit by the thousands. Many are unaware it was built over a black settlement. Had it not been a fort, had it not been for a few remaining living descendants, this one would truly go unknown. Little Egypt, North Carolina, a little known black history fact. And let us move on. All right, all right. This is that. This is that. Um, I don't want to think this one today is either this or that. You can get with both of them, but I think we just kind of like I would look at it as philosophies. Um, I think I admire both of these gentlemen, I admire both of their philosophies, but um, I think that I'm more Malcolm than King. And that's just because I feel, feel like by any means necessary is something that was inside of me because of how I grew up and what school system I was in. And then when I got to, I went to a predominantly white school district, great kids, great friends, the whole nine, but we were all indoctrinated one way. You know, we never read books that dealt with black protagonists. We never um, went over black history. Um, my school was probably predominantly Jewish. We had to watch a Holocaust. I remember in social studies, a documentary. Usually it was for two weeks. Um, I didn't mind watching it. Um, I thought it was atrocious what Hitler did to Jewish folks. But what I was saying is, where's me? You know, where's us? Why can't people um, cry over what happened to us or get angry over what happened to us? Why didn't we talk about slavery? Why didn't we read? their eyes were watching God or uh, Tinua and Chebe's things fall apart in, in high school. Um, when I got to college and I read the autobiography of Malcolm X, he told me how beautiful I was. He told me that black was beautiful. He's like, you know, everything in this world ain't white and white created and white invented. There are a lot of things that black people have done in this country to contribute to this country. And they were exploited doing so. So he gave me a different like identity. Um, I thought King was courageous uh, for putting his body and other bodies on the line. Um, I know this might sound chauvinistic, but I don't think I would have had women marching but I understand why you had women marching because it softens 
it softens the crowd. And I don't mean that in a negative way. But women still got beat over the head and bit by dogs and hosed down too. Um, but maybe it would have been just gunshots if it was just men out there. Uh, well, what say you? Well, as you said, I have great respect for both of these men who were prominent civil rights leaders um, in the black community and in our country. And, and I would uh, submit the world as well. Um, I think I identify um, more with, after reading the autobiography of Malcolm X, I identify more with Malcolm after he took the pilgrimage to uh, Mecca. Um, uh, and I, while I appreciate by any means necessary, the ballot or the bullet, I appreciate that, but I would tend to side more with the philosophy that Martin Luther King embraced of nonviolent uh, resistance to um, injustices in our society. And I, and then I would also say that I would identify more with Martin Luther King towards his latter days when he acknowledged and <sighs> helped us to understand that he feared that he had integrated his people into a burning house. And I say that because um, with the law in our country um, based on uh, Plessy versus Ferguson, where the court said that we, we could be separate, but we had to, we had to be equal. Um, I think I think I agree with Martin Luther King that we maybe we should have focused more on equality and that is equality of resources, equality of our schools, equality of our education that is provided because I appreciate culturally responsive education, especially, especially for black people. And I think maybe the black community would be in a better position today. If we had, if we could share resources and have equivalent facilities and equivalent education throughout our country, but education that is culturally responsive. So I wonder, while I don't think, while I think, you know, we should all be able to interact with each other if we choose to do so, I just don't believe in legalized um, segregation. But as long as we are able to interact with each other when we choose to do so, I don't think, that, I think we have to want, I mean, I will personally wonder what it would have been like if we could have focused more on the equality as opposed to the separation. Does that make sense? It does. Um, I Like I said, I get everything into context. Um, a lot of people didn't like when Elijah Muhammad 
and Malcolm X called white folks devils. Right. Well, when you read into the history of what was done to some of our folks, like the the lynchings that people gathered around and wore their Sunday best to see and took pictures and turned them into postcards to send them to family and relatives while they watched black men hang and be set on fire too at the same time or burnt at a stake or just different atrocities that happened to black men and women. To me, these were devilish acts. They were evil acts. So I understand it in that context back then. Like, why would you want to be with them? Why are we fighting for equal rights? You see how they treat you. They're not going to treat you any different, you know? So at that time, I probably could have understood that philosophy and not for nothing back then, the economic situation was better because of it. Um, a lot of people will look at integration as something that kind of hurt African-Americans financially because we had all these businesses. And then soon as integration came in, that's when, again, apropos with our words of wisdom, white restaurants were superior to the black restaurants we were eating. White cleaners were superior to the black cleaners we were utilizing. Um, you know, all these different businesses that we utilize all of a sudden became inferior because now I can go to the white person. So white supremacy was indoctrinated in us heavy, even during the time when segregation was in because all of those business started to evaporate and disappear because now we felt we were going to something better. So but, I, I mean, but, but it's not only that, it's not only that it was also that every time in the black community, when we tried to, when we built our own, we built black wall street and we built our businesses and we built our institutions, they get destroyed. Exactly. So why would you want to be with a group of people that's going to destroy your stuff? No, but I'm just saying it was not only the integration that destroyed our our communities and our institutions. It was hatred that destroyed our institutions and our communities. So when we're told, stop asking for handouts, uh, take more personal responsibility, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Every time we've tried to do that, it's gotten destroyed and it's been sanctioned by our government where these people are not uh, these people are not punished they're not prosecuted and we're not compensated for the losses so that we can rebuild so yeah that that has been the struggle that we've had in our society uh, i would i would tend to agree um so yeah i mean both of them were great men Yes. But I think that uh, my philosophy just leaned a little bit more to Malcolm. I do agree with you. I liked him even more when he, because I don't like hatred. Right. But I like, I don't like hatred. I don't feel like folks tell me, I like, I don't have a vendetta. I don't think we should get white people back for what they did to us. 
I just think that we need to fix us. And, and I don't think all white people are devils. I disagree yeah. with that. Right. And I but, think but even Malcolm X, that too. you changed that, right? So that's why I say I identify more with Malcolm X after he made the pilgrimage to to Mecca. El Hajj, what's Malik, the whole name? Yeah, Malik El Hajj, Malik Shabazz. Yes, that's the Malcolm that I identify more with because I think, but I think that two things that seem to be diametrically opposed can be true. And that is that we still deal with the vestiges of slavery in this country, and we still deal with racism in this country. But that does not mean that all white people are racist. We live in a racist country, but not all white people are racist. No, but a lot of white people they benefit from systemic racism. Right. And that's the difference. So you could have a, a person, indivi- and that's the thing. Yeah, racist individuals that don't have power, I'm not I'm not concerned with unless they're trying to physically harm me. I don't even care what they say anymore because it's just ignorance. Like, I, the, the guy that drives by me and says, fuck you, nigga, I, I care nothing about <laughs> You can't change anything. I'm not trying to change him, but I do care about, you know, one of the oil and gas companies not hiring African Americans or Latinx or Asian people just because they're Latinx, African American or Asian. And that's and I'm not I saying think, that's going on, but that's systemic racism. That's what I would fight. Well, that's why I think this is a problem that white people have to fix because they they created this this problem. Um, like you said, white people in our society benefit from racism in America. And so why would, if you're receiving a benefit, why would you oh, want oh, white supremacy? Yeah, that's why, why I said you, you got to go. Relinquish that position. And so, so it, it, it's up to them to relinquish that position so that we can all be. It's treated. not even relinquishing the position is to me is stop treating people unfairly according to this hierarchy you you got to check out origin I, I don't care if you have to miss something yeah because she talked I've about read the book yeah i read cast yeah, okay the cast but what i'm saying is so you don't think white people have to relinquish privilege that they that they enjoy you can't, they're not gonna how, how do they relinquish it that's that's changing the mind you relinquish it you relinquish it by being a proponent of laws that will that will uh, if I'm a white beautiful quality in our if system. I'm a white pretty woman and I walk in a job and I have the credentials and they hire me because I'm a white pretty I'm not saying oh I'm that, y'all just hiring me because I look this certain way like give this to you know somebody I'm not doing that and I get that they are that's privileged. not what you have to do but you have to be a proponent of DEI. And you have to be, and you have to vote against people like uh, DeSantis. Who I agree with you on that. I agree with DEI. you on that. But that's what I'm saying. It's so a mindset that, that they have to change. But if it don't benefit them, it's not going to change them. They're like, because like my some of my students would say, "Well, I wasn't a slaveholder. I wasn't this. I wasn't that." But I'm saying you come from a lineage that probably definitely benefited from that well let me get i think it's possible though people will do it for example when we talked about um 
when we talked about uh, mass, what, what we call mass uh, shootings, um, and we talked about people, we agree that people have a Second Amendment right to bear arms and to uh, um, possess wep- you know, weapons. Um, but I think that that this problem can change if people would relinquish that right and say, okay, I know I have a right to own this weapon, but I care about the lives of our children. I care about the uh, innocent lives in our country. And so I'm willing to relinquish that right and give up my AR-15 to save one life. I'm willing to do that. So that's all it would take is for someone to say, I'm willing to vote for the right candidate to get in office so that we can have the right legislation that's going to make our society more equitable. People are capable of doing that. And so that's what it's going to take. It's going to take for white people to do that. All right. Did you see the text messages? The chats I sent you? No, I didn't. Because I was busy flapping my guns. What'd you send me? And let us move on. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. You have to get just. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. So you sent it in the chat or yeah, in the text? The chat. The chat. Oh, I, I can't even see the chat right now. Oh, uh, okay. So. Because I got the. Yeah, I'll the, send it. This book was pulled from Target as a black history book um, because they got the names of, in the, they had the wrong names associated with different faces. They called Carter G. Woodson. They used his name under W.E.B. Du Bois' photo. Um, they used Booker T. Washington under Carter G. Woodson's photo. So it was like some mis, uh, placements of the name, misinformation given out in this textbook that was um, sold in Target. So it got pulled from the bookshelves. And I would say these books are targeted to like elementary school. When you say they're targeted to like elementary school students and they're kind of like um, drawings of these um, historical uh, black figures. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to give them a little bit of grace, you know, Obviously, somebody made a mistake. Somebody didn't. I'm not giving them grace. You're not giving them grace. Whoever the editor of that book was thought that. It's just like that time Samuel Jackson was being interviewed and the white guy on national news thought he was Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, that's crazy. And he's like, oh, sorry. And Samuel Jackson said, oh, no, we're not talking about the interview anymore. We're going to talk about what just took place. Did you call me somebody else that I'm yeah, not? Yeah, like how you not do the research on that to know who I am? It's just like, oh, they all together. All black people don't look alike. Uh, and and <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne and Sam Jackson definitely doesn't. Right. So, yeah, at least I will give it to Target. They took the books off of the shelf because this was a viral video. Like this was a viral TikTok video where a history teacher discovered this these mistakes in the book. And she did a TikTok video about it. It became a viral video. Target found out about it. 
And in their um, defense, they did take the books off of the shelves. I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a bit unreasonable to expect for Target to read every book that they sell in their store to make sure that there's no mistakes in it. That's what editors are for. Can't disagree with that. <laughs> and let us move on. Okay. We have a repeat guest. We're back to back on the show. This is a celebration. I see you got this new beard. <laughs> You're muted, Dr. Ang. <coughs> Unmute yourself. Mm-hmm. You're still... Okay, Can you hear me? <laughs> All right, so we got a guest back for the second time. Did you hear what, did you hear what he said? What I said? I see, he, I see you got this new beard going on. Oh, <laughs> then, yeah, you ain't seen me in a while then. Yeah, uh, people like it, I really don't. But, I like you know, it. Since it people good. like it, uh, I put it up there. Mm-hmm. I keep it up there. Uh, we got again back for a second or third time. We have Mr. Justin Jackson and my partner, who's very close to our guest, is going to speak upon why we are interviewing him today. Yes, Justin Jackson is our beloved son, and he is a sophomore at Georgetown Prep in Rockville, Maryland. And he, we're going to give it up to him today because he placed third in the Interstate Athletic Conference Championship for varsity wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. So this, what's amazing about this accomplishment is that this is his very first year in this sport. And he has teammates that have been wrestling for years who have not been able to obtain, well, well, this year did not obtain this honor. So I think that that is very impressive. Yeah, never never throw teammates on the bus, but go ahead. Yeah, well, that's mom. They all did pretty good. They all did good. Yeah, yeah. That's mom, just being a proud mom. Okay. So how do you, how, how, how I'm gonna jump into it real quick. Okay. I'm sorry. How do you feel um, when you started? Because I heard there was some difficulties when you yeah. started because it's a new sport for you. Mm-hmm. And then how exhilarating was it to place at the end of the year based on how you started? Well, when I first started, it was it was really I, the thing I loved about it. It was honestly easy to learn it. Cause I love it so much because usually like with, with athletic stuff like I'm usually good at it so it was nice to be like horrible at it because I actually had to work I actually had to had to put in time and effort and so building up to the season like especially placing because there was things I had to learn that I really just couldn't learn at all and so like practice after practice I was working on specific things it, it, it really I was really proud of myself and I was genuinely happy that I could win third place because it was something I was stressed about for a long time. Hmm. Well, what can you give us an example of 
a particular thing that you found difficult to learn, but you mastered it finally? Um, using my hips when I do stuff. So it's like, because I'm strong. So my coach is always telling me, like, you just use your strength too much. So I had to work on, like, actually putting my hip into things and doing the movement right rather than just, like, relying on pure strength and stuff. Oh, interesting. Okay. So what advice would you give to another student who may be in your position where they're just coming into the sport after um, never having played it before? Um, It's honestly simple. Just like, just put in the work. Like wrestling, that's what I like about wrestling. It's really pure. Like what you put in, you'll get out. Like the learning, the physical stuff. It's, It's all just work and effort. So do you feel like just about anybody can learn it if they're dedicated to it? Or do you have to be athletic, particularly athletic? Or what do you think? I mean, one thing I'll say, like, no, I I think anyone can learn it. Definitely Mm -hmm. anyone can learn it. It's just not like, it's more like it has nothing to do with strength or any of that. Like that stuff helps. Mm -hmm. But like, if you, if you, the limit of a human body is high enough that you can just learn it and with no problem with it. So. Okay. Do you find that it um, has helped you in any other sports that you play? Well, I haven't played any other sports yet. No, actually, I've gone to baseball uh, workouts, and it mm-hmm. helps because I always had a problem with using my head in baseball. Mm-hmm. I'm realizing now, like, Throughout all my sports, my hips are a problem. So it helped me, like, turn my hips to swing or, like, throw and get more power. Yeah, that, uh, if if you ever watch Dak Prescott warms, warm yeah. up, he does a hip exercise on both yeah. sides of his hips. You know, um, they also – they sometimes they put it to salsa music. Um, oh, cause, really? Yeah, because he's moving his hips. Like, he walks down the field just doing hip twists. Yeah. You know, um, to 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 help out with his throw, step into his throw as a QB. So I know before we had asked you, did you have a favorite sport? And he's like, nah, I like them all. Yeah. Has you've grown older now? Has anything changed? No. <laughs> I, well, well, actually, now I don't. I don't. I'm not. I haven't given up on basketball, but like I'm fine without playing basketball. Yeah, I I, I was I sad. Know. I was saddened by that news. <laughs> I was like, he giving up hoops for wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you you it, it it turned out you know in your favor. Really, you winning. Uh, so and so now you're getting ready for baseball season. Yeah, sadly, my all my wrestling work is gonna go down the drain. Cause you don't do nothing in baseball, but hitting pro. There's no exercise. Are you are you pitching this year? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That should help your hips. That that should help you. I know. With the hips and, and you know batting too. Yeah. And if we can squeeze it in, he'll do some summer wrestling. Oh, okay. Okay. If you can squeeze it in, that's what Daddy said. So I I heard we should applaud you again because of your academic performance. Yes. Kim, you want to explain that? Well, Justin achieved the honor of, it's called first honors. 
at prep, right, Justin? Mm -hmm. First honors. Do you know your grade point average? I don't. I don't know. It's probably not yet. Yeah. yeah. I think it's supposed to be ninety or above for every category. Right. Okay. So he has an A average. All right. That's what's up. I didn't. My high school years weren't as great as my college years. <laughs> my my freshman years were not good. Oh. Two yeah. years under your belt, like time flies, man. You'll be a junior next year, like in a couple of months. How are you feeling about that? You have any aspirations outside of school, like driving? Or oh, working? I definitely, I want to learn. Yeah, I definitely want to learn to drive soon. I don't want to have to learn all that stuff. I'd rather go to a school, or like not a school, but take lessons. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of stuff to learn on my own. Yeah, or, or with your parents is not the best, yeah. not the best way to go about. It. But I'm gonna tell you, driving is gonna change your life. Probably will. I can, I don't have to rely on them to do stuff. Yeah, uh, you, but you're gonna have to rely on their vehicles until you get your own. Oh, <laughs> That's that. All right. That. You got any other questions for? Him? So before you get out of here, do you want to give a shout out <laughs> to anybody in particular? My coaches, my parents. Kim Jackson and, and Ryan Jackson. Um, you boo? My boo? No. <laughs> <laughs> you want to give a shout out to your boo? No. How about the other person living in the house with y'all? I was gonna say I was gonna say my sister. Okay. Of course, my go. sister. She was at the wrestling thing. She actually took a, a picture of my medal or a picture with my medal. Yeah, I think we, we got that because you uh we're about to give it up to you in our last segment. But as always, man, it's a pleasure. I'm glad you are doing well and enjoying you. life. Uh, you know, a lot of kids, because I teach a lot of kids, they go through some things in life, they have difficult times. Yeah. Um, their life is not as balanced or it's not where they want to be. And I enjoy to see people that are happy with what they're doing at this place and time in their life and not looking to grow older faster. Enjoy your youth because you only get it one time. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thanks, right. honey. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Justin Jackson. Yeah. And we are going to segue. Let us move on. Give it up, give it up, give it up, yo. Give it up, give it up, give it up, is go ahead tell, tell us what he wanted justin jackson played third he received a bronze medal in the interstate athletic conference championship for varsity wrestling at georgetown prep all right so that concludes us for today so we'll go over a little recap start with our wow of the week was in america we are culturally conditioned to believe that white is superior and black is inferior and the manifestation of that cultural condition is that black people are undervalued underestimated and marginalized coming from joe madison uh for what's going on black collegiate players making money for the ncaa they should be getting paid uh lady attacks a man and his son in the Brooklyn Park um, because the color of their skin is stereotyping him thinking he was a part of Hamas. 
we also talked about Shannon Sharp and uh, Ocho Senko talking about Beyonce versus Taylor Swift. Then we went over Harry Edwards, who's battling cancer and still fighting for justice. Our West Beef category was Nicki Minaj and Megan the Stallion. And my tripping was very good. We did three scenarios today that were very interesting. Our little known black history fact, we're still doing Drowning Towns with Little Egypt, North Carolina. Out this or that, we picked against Brother Martin Luther King, Brother Malcolm X. Um, I all hell no went to Target for uh, putting a book on the shelf that had misinformation or misfacts about our black history and culture. And lastly, was we gave it up to Justin Jackson, who we also interviewed this week. And as always, in parting. Thank you, everybody, for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us. And as always in parting, we wish you love, peace, and knowledge to feed your soul. Feed your soul. We'll see y'all next week. Peace.